what exactly was the scam these people were pulling on me? Slow day, I'm hoping for a slow day. We are doing a podcast extra. This is the story of my encounter with Andy Wavy. All I could picture was all the bumps on the arm as Andy Wavy somehow snatched my wallet. I decided right then it was time for me to man up and do the shaking down myself. I alluded to this story in episode 7, but it may be a little long for the regular format of the pod, so I'm going to try something new, everybody. We're doing a podcast extra. My encounter with Andy Wavy is a story of an afternoon where each step was another down a staircase of surprises. Oh yeah! I love this one. My adventure started at 5 o'clock on some midsummer Wednesday. I had booked off Thursday and Friday, so a super long weekend was about to begin. The sun was shining, thermometers pushing 25. I had a sense of urgency that only a sunny summer day in a second house in the woods can conjure up. I had half an hour before I had to pick up my daughter from work. I had to get wine for Marnie, put gas in Black Beauty, our 2010 Dodge Caravan, and top up the four jerry cans for the cottage. Thompson isn't a big place, so this didn't exactly have to happen with Navy SEAL-like precision, but there wasn't a whole bunch of wiggle room either. After an ugly midwinter gasoline spill inside Black Beauty left the Krentzes with a contact high with every van trip, I was hesitant to put our collection of jerry cans inside the van, so I hooked up Harold Smith's utility trailer, which thanks only to the strength of his character and ridiculous generosity is on almost permanent loan to me, I threw the four jerry cans in the back and I headed out. Priority one was clearly the wine. When Mama Bear's happy, the whole clan is happy. As I rolled into the liquor store, I got a text from Caldzy, who's our neighbor out at the lake. Yo, bro, can you grab me a case? I'll text you the cash. Now, my mom always jokes, a friend in need is a friend to be avoided like the plague. But I owe Caldzy multiple favors, and there's no way he wouldn't do it for me. I had to turn my back on advice from Dolores and look after him. Inside the liquor store, I realized I couldn't carry Mama's wine, a whiskey for me, and the weekend beer for the cottage all out to the car. So I called an audible, and added a stop at the TI, Thompson Inn. The TI Beer Mart has the coldest beer in Thompson, but you trade that for a clientele that would rarely be described as Thompson's finest. But if you aren't living on the edge, you're taking up space, according to Pinterest. Buying beer there is a gut check every time. My arrival there was greeted with a cash only sign. Now no cash wouldn't have phased me in 1988, but since then, who carries around enough cash to buy beer for a weekend at the lake? I'm nimble if nothing else, so Black Beauty and I set a course for the Burntwood Hotel, which is right between the TI and the Co-op Gas Bar, of which I'm a member. If you find yourself in Thompson, feel free to use Co-op number 6932. That's 6932 at the Thompson Co-op. Time wasn't on my side anymore. As I squealed, figuratively, into the lot at the Burntwood, I pulled right up to the front door. Just coming out were a group of people. They were sort of hanging around in front of the vendor slash bar. Now they seem to have made their way over from the TI. As I hopped out of the car, one of the guys standing there said, Hey bro, uh, can you give me a ride? Uh, I don't know. He said, uh, I'll give you 20 bucks. But when I looked like I was waffling, he said, uh, You know, go get your beer. I'll, I'll talk to you later. 
Standing with him were a couple of girls who seemed to have enjoyed a few afternoon cocktails, had some pretty big bags under their eyes. They were in going out clothes that looked like they'd been slept in a couple times. And the guy, he was in about the same shape. I hurried into the vendor that was adorned with the classic chain and padlock on the cooler and featured a tattooed, hooched up waitress slash vendor clerk. Eventually I caught her attention, grabbed a couple two fours of the Labatt light and hurried out. The guy was still waiting outside when I got out. He said, hey bro, I missed my ride this morning. Now I need to meet my brother. Got to catch my ride back to Kiosk. Can you help me out, bro? Kiosk is a hydro dam that's being built up north. Uh, where are you going? I'm going up the hill. Uh, where are you going? I said to Westwood, uh, that's the wrong way and I'm in a hurry. What I didn't add was, and I'm feeling a little uncomfortable in this situation. Then I said to myself, what would Harold Smith do? He would help out a guy in need. By now I didn't have time to get gas, but I did have time to drop him off. So I said, uh, okay, jump in. Once we were in the car, a pregnant girl he was with made the, you got a smoke sign at me through the window. I shook her off and I put the van in gear. Before we said anything, the guy grabbed the gum from my console and took a couple pieces. I asked him where exactly we were headed and he said 29 Duke Place, which is in the Eastwood area and a pretty shady part of town. I put the hammer down, figuratively, with my heart racing and we were on our way. He asked me where I work and I told him with the RHA. He said he's from Gillum, that he's working on the dam at Kiosk. He said that he came in for the weekend and was pretty thirsty, stopping just short of air quotes, and said he broke up with his girlfriend and ended up with a little girl that gave me all of these. And he pointed to a pretty gross looking necklace of hickeys. He said his name is Andy and that his brothers are the Wavies who are well known in Gillum. You must know them, eh bro? I said I'd heard the name before, but I didn't think I knew them. Then he kind of slapped me on the arm and said, Hey, uh, you like blowjobs? I can set you up. I declined, hoping he meant from the girl back at Duke Place. Thankfully, we switched over to talking about hockey and lacrosse. He said he played junior hockey and lacrosse at Weiwei Capo. Then he looked around and sort of tapped me on the arm. Uh, is that wine? Can, can you set me up, bro? I'm, I'm pretty thirsty. No way, man. My wife will kill me if I give away that wine. Uh, if I can't have any wine, you got $5 or some money, bro? You just offered me $20 for this ride. Why are you asking me for money? He backed off a bit, but I was sweating big time now. He was a muscular dude covered in tattoos and hickeys, and now he was bugging me for money and jokingly bumping my arm every couple minutes. Things were getting a little uncomfortable. He asked if I ever go to Gillum and said he really appreciates the ride. He said, yeah, bro, if you ever want to come up, I can get you blowjobs or whatever. I insisted that I wasn't interested and he came back with, you like fishing? I can take you fishing. I really appreciate this, bro. By now we were racing past Tim Hortons with the trailer bouncing along our decaying Thompson roads. I could not get to Duke Place fast enough. And then he spotted the beer. Hey, bro, that's a lot of beer. How about you give me some of that? Andy Wavy is not shy. By now I was so nervous, my vision was blurry. I wasn't thinking straight. I said, well, how many do you want? He said, uh, four. And just to prove who was in control, I said, no, three. I really showed him. Thankfully, as our negotiation came to a close, I rounded the corner to Duke Place. 
It's a sort of cul-de-sac of duplexes with broken windows, cars with no wheels, dirt for a lawn. I reached back, fumbled around for a bit getting the case open, handed him three beers. We shook hands and said our goodbyes. He said he'd never forget me and thank me for the ride and the beer a couple of times. I thought, Andy Wavy, I will never forget you either. Still in one piece, with more adrenaline than blood pumping through my veins, I pulled a U-ball and left in a cloud of dust and little stones. Figuratively. Now I was really tight for picking up Paige on time. Racing down Princeton Drive in front of Highland Towers, I noticed the jerry cans bouncing around in the back of the trailer. When I stopped at the lights in front of the museum, I jumped out for a quick look and only had two of the four cans I started with. I should have tied them down. Two minutes later, I was at the school board office picking up Paige. We went backwards around the loop of town I had just made, but to no avail. The cans were nowhere to be found. I stopped at the Burntwood to ask around there, but the zombies were gone, likely, with my two empty cans. With drooping shoulders, Paige and I headed home and got a, you gave someone a ride and beer? What is wrong with you? Feeling less than happy about the reception, my earlier decisions, and running behind schedule, I turned around again to go fill my remaining jerry cans. Partway to co-op, I checked my pockets and the van console and didn't have my wallet. Call home confirmed it wasn't there either. All I could picture was all the bumps on the arm as Andy Wavy somehow snatched my wallet. Next stop, the RCMP station. I rolled in with the fleeting hope an eager constable would offer to go with me and shake down Andy Wavy for my wallet. That went exactly nowhere. Not only did I not get an eager constable, the place was closed. I decided right then it was time for me to man up and do the shaking down myself. I pointed Black Beauty back up the hill to 29 Duke Place. And as my sweating palms guided my rig around the corner, I realized I did not have a plan beyond driving back up there. I got out of the car, and as I did, Wavy appeared in the window. There was actually no window or screen. It was kind of like the order window at a French fry hut. He leaned on the sill with his huge tattooed arms crossed, looked at me for a long time, and then said, Uh, you the guy that gave me a ride? Right then, it felt like, I'll never forget you, bro, had faded pretty fast. I sort of circled the van, pretending to look around and said, Yeah, I am. I lost my wallet. Have you seen it? Uh, no. No wallet here, he said. Well, what does it look like? Uh, Jet's wallet, I said, as I wobbled my way back to the van, the bravado fading quicker than my hopes of ever getting my wallet back. As I opened the door, a girl walked up and asked me what I was doing there. Apparently me and my minivan utility trailer combo identify me as out of place. I said I was looking for my wallet and she too asked what it looked like, so I told her. Then she asked me if I had a phone. I said, yeah, but I didn't offer it to her, thinking, not a chance, I am losing my phone today too, and I jumped in the van. As I did, she hopped into the passenger seat beside me. She had hickeys too, dark sunken eyes, she had a low cut tank top and leggings, but really wasn't exactly fit enough to pull off that whole look. Uh, she was a lot rougher looking and maybe even tougher looking than he was. She said, I have to call my mom. She just inboxed me. It's an emergency. When I didn't jump to it, she said, if you don't want to give me your phone, just put it on speaker. And now I'll have your number 
So if I find your wallet, I can call you. You have done this before. You are a pro, I thought. But totally wigged out, and still with the spirit of Harold Smith deep inside me, when she barked out the numbers, I laid my trembling fingers on the phone and placed the call. After being so nervous, it took me three tries to unlock my phone. Her mom did answer, but said she didn't inbox her, so now my world was spinning, wondering how I got this many steps down the staircase to doom, and what exactly was the scam these people were pulling on me. As I hung up, she spied the beer and said, Hey, can I have some more beer? Finally, the fog started to clear and I said, No, and you have to get out. Then for a fleeting moment, I thought I could use a little psychology. What would Todd Jackson, my wheeling dealing brother-in-law, do? I said, Hey, you know what? Here are a couple more beer. If you find my Jets wallet, give me a call. Hoping somehow the human spirit would eventually flicker inside of her. So she opened up her purse and said, Throw them in here, but don't break anything. When I looked inside the purse, it was all a prop. The only thing in this giant handbag was an eyeliner and a torn lining. The beer clearly tripled the value of the bag and contents. As I pulled away, I thought I should have taken this one step further and saved us each a bit of time. Look, you go get my wallet and I'll give you the rest of this beer. That cool move came to me a little too late and I was not going back to Duke Place. The adrenaline was wearing off a bit now, but the madness of the whole scene was still soaking its way through my whole body. That awful feeling of being robbed or violated or tricked or whatever that feeling was. It was washing back and forth like the waves at the lake that I still wasn't at. Stop giving them beer, was the unfriendly advice I got at home. I then promptly canceled all my credit cards, although without a working phone and hopefully no one to give him a ride back downtown, I wasn't the most worried that Andy and his lady friend would rack up the visa. Now thoroughly worn out, we finally gassed up and hit Paint Lake. Once we were there, I delivered Kalsey's beer and did my best to help him drink what was left of it. Finally starting to put that feeling of being used behind me after a couple days, Paige called the cabin from home and said that my wallet turned up in the mailbox with everything in it except the cash. I knew it! The beer's paid off! I am a gifted amateur psychologist. But it turns out I'm not as talented as I think. Andy Wavy is just a thirsty, gutsy guy and not a thief. The wallet found its way to a damp housing facility, sort of like a homeless shelter, that's close to the Burntwood. Most likely I dropped it in my panic to load the beer. So the real criminals here are probably the parking lot zombies who did better than Andy Wavy. They made off with 60 bucks and two jerry cans while he and his weekend squeeze only got five beers and a ride. I learned that I should quit drinking. But failing that, Two trips to carry stuff to the car at the liquor store would have saved me $60, five beers, two jerry cans, and two weeks waiting for new credit cards. But I would just be taking up space because I wouldn't be living on the edge. That's the Andy Wavy story. I hope you liked it. Follow us on Twitter, at Snow Day Pod. Look for us on iTunes, Snow Day Pod. If we had a snow